this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Hot D, the officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back to talk the season finale of House of the Dragon, the Black Queen. Uh, Aaron, how are you feeling about this episode now? Thanks for just bringing the excitement there. The, the season finale, the Black Queen. I'm pumped, dude. I thought this was an incredible way to end the season. So I'm trying to make up for this energy. Uh, I, I mean, overall... <laughs> okay. You know, I talked about this in the preview podcast. I was kind of on pins and needles about this show because, you know, to not not to put it not not for nothing. It means a lot to bald move, you know, uh, to have a big audience that's excited about something. And it was real kicking the nuts the, to the community and to our enterprise here when Game of Thrones kind of fell off. And I was really hoping that all that enthusiasm and love for Westeros, which I think is was real, would translate. And I thought there was some banger moments in this here book, Fire and Blood, that I'm that I'm banging on. You can't see it because it's a podcast. Uh, it's just that, like, man, there was not much emotion or much depth to the characters. And when I saw the the premiere, and then now that I got the whole season, like I'm feeling really good about however many seasons we get out of House of the Dragon. I guess the the one thing I'd worry about now is I'm trying to stretch it too far. But it sounds like they've got maybe plans long term for a whole Targaryen anthology. So we can just jump around to all the interesting parts of the Targaryen dynasty, uh, which I think would make some really compelling content unless people get sick of incest and succession wars, because that's (laughs) that's the kryptonite. If people are like, you know, I'm all done with incest bastards and uh, people scheming for Iron Thrones, then then they got a long term problem. But until that day comes. I think the future's bright, and I thought this it 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 did a couple of amazing things. I thought it really did one of the first one of the things I underline in the book is like this is going to be a fucking baller moment in the show, where a dragon gets chomp chomped by Vagar, mm-hmm. and they nailed it. But they also added the dimension with Aemon kind of not really wanting that to happen. That honestly surprised me as a book reader and I the more I think about it the more I really like it and what it yeah. does to the story I've even kind of this episode has turned me around on Prince uh, Princess Rhaenys, uh running away from the King's Landing last episode like, yeah I think I believe her when she says yeah it, it's war's gonna come from this probably but you know what it's not my war to start that's actually a huge sign of respect to Rhaenyra um, I don't know maybe that's a cope <laughs> <laughs> but I, I genuinely be. feel it at this point. Um, I, I thought this episode is amazing uh, into a very, very satisfying first season of Game of Thrones, which again, sorry, House of the Dragon, which again is just a prelude to what I think is the good part. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 feel pretty good as Lord Commander of this operation. How's the king feeling? 
Yeah, especially as a pair with last episode and this one, I feel like the, those are two great flavors that go great together. Uh, the, the green and the black flavor. I, I, I liked seeing both sides of this kind of in isolation. Um, it, it gave like a sense of uh, it, like, like there is this rift between the two sides, right? Obviously there's a rift, but it felt like that while watching the episodes. Like there was information on one side, there was a lack of information on the other and it made Fog that super war. obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was really feeling that the second time around. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great way to end this season. I'm, it, it leaves me with questions about, um, you know, what what is Damon up to? Uh, how how are people going to respond to to the events of this episode? But it, it felt very satisfying. It was like, OK, they gave us one more big moment for the end of this season. A, a bigger moment, I think, than, you know, Rainus busting up through the floor and uh, just breathing hot air into the king's face. And yeah. then flying off. And and I, I felt like this scene, this final dragon scene here worked a lot better than that scene did. But you're mm-hmm. right. Like it, this goes halfway, I think, to fixing the problem of last episode that I saw with that Rainus uh, dragon busting scene. It, I, I will say I think it's crazy, crazy the rationale that they gave for it in the inside the episode stuff. I yes, I don't see that anywhere on screen, really. Well, I, maybe slightly, this, this but that's is, not how Renus explains it at no, all. So, no, it, I, I don't know what they were doing with that particular interview, but it, this makes a lot more sense than whatever shit they were spouting in that interview section. Honestly, I think this makes us look the if people have followed along with our podcast, the the show itself, and the behind the scenes. I think this has so validated our stance of that shit doesn't matter because this is like the third or fourth time that I think a showrunner has just completely given an opposite point of view from what is on film. And I think it's to preserve secrets that they later want to, you know, like their rationale that they gave for Damon punking out on Rhaenyra in the pleasure house. Like that mm-hmm. didn't like, Oh, he's just, he's just fucking impotent. Like, no, I mean, that that's like, you know, like the it's, three, it's Obi-Wan three, Kenobi from a certain point of view shit. Right. Like, but they're like, they're in, it's like either can say nothing or they can say something that gives away spoilers and stuff. So it's like, I think like, look, I mean, there is some stuff that's good. I was pretty moved by Emma Darcy's description of like the depths of grief that mm-hmm. Rhaenyra gets to. There's some stuff that is complimentary, but like you can't treat that as gospel or canon for sure. Like yeah. if they want like, you know, if like if they need that to explain something, then they fucked up in the filming. And if they don't, then it's all just like somebody's opinion, man. So, yeah, I I yeah, I I I think those things are trash as far as explaining people's motivations it seems yeah yeah because they they seem to go back on this uh but yeah i I really enjoyed this episode all right what do you say we get into the recap i would love to but since you know this is our kind of last swing at the the enhanced audience of house of the dragon i just want to let people know that bald move is not folding shop for the next two years we are still doing stuff uh even on this feed uh maester anthony is going to be returning very soon to start a brand new chapter by chapter discussion of uh, Clash of Kings, which is the second book of Game of Thrones. He just finished a chapter by chapter discussion of Game of Thrones, its sequel. So we'll be starting that in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Jim and I will be returning from time to time because Maester Anthony takes uh, breaks every 10 chapters or so to recharge his batteries. And we'll get in there to be talking about uh, House of the Dragon offseason news, uh, Jon Snow sequel 
uh, news that should be starting rolling in. Any other kind of develops developments in the world of Ice and Fire? But there's lots of other stuff that we got coming up. Uh, we are closing out The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's final season. Uh, if there's you know two or three of you that are interested in that. <laughs> uh, also, 1899, the prequel, sequel, spiritual successor to Netflix's Dark which is one of the best time travel series I've ever seen. It's amazing. It is coming on November 17th. We'll be covering that. We'll also be doing first run movie coverage of Wakanda Forever. We got a whole Bald Move Christmas celebration coming up, which is always fun, where we go back and we do a bunch of fun Christmas movies. Uh, we also have, looking forward to 2023, we're looking forward to the debut of The Last of Us which is a new post-apocalyptic zombie show with the twist. It's going to be on HBO. I think it's going to be amazing. It's got a great pedigree. Craig Mazin. Is that his name? Mazin or Mazin? Mm-hmm. Uh, you might recognize him as the showrunner for Chernobyl. It's it's such a great, great creative choice to put him as the, the head of The Last of Us. It's got Pedro Pascal, Prince Oberon, the Viper himself leading mm-hmm. it. It's going to be amazing. Oh, and, uh, uh, Mormont. Lady Mormont. Yeah. Little Lady Mormont. As Ellie. Uh, from from late season. It's it's You guys, if you haven't played the video game, I think it's going to be amazing. Uh, we also have, looking forward to Return of Yellow Jackets, Severance, Foundation. Tons and tons of stuff on Bald Move. And you can get it all if you want to get 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 all of our pulp coverage at Bald Move Pulp. Just wherever you listen to podcasts, Bald Move Pulp. Uh, and you'll you'll be assured of getting all of our zombie science fiction, ray gun, dragon writing, magic casting podcasts. Uh, okay, now, now, now we're ready to go into the episode. There's still lots of hot D to talk about. We'll be back right after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back to Hot D. All right, we start off with Luke telling his mother he doesn't want to be the Lord of Driftmark. Rhaenyra encourages him by telling him that she was scared when she had to do her duty and become the heir, and that she'll be there to help him. And then Sir Lauren announces that Rhaenys has arrived and wants to talk to her and Damon. Yep, the bastard gives us one last, I didn't wanna, and before he, <laughs> he dies. Uh-huh. Um, but this is such an interesting contrast between Alicent. You know, like this kid comes and essentially says, I don't want to do my duty. And Rhaenyra does not slap him and call him a worthless piece of shit, but like empathizes with him. You know, like, hey, I wasn't ready when I got tapped to be heir. Mm -hmm. You're probably not ready, but my dad helped me just like I'm going to help you. Um, You know, like you got to do your duty. You got to earn it. This is something you got to prove, you know, you're right to feel inadequate kind of. But like, you know, how can you shore that up? I thought this was pretty good parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, touching seeing Rhaenyra interact with her kids there. And and what she says uh, to him, I think, yeah, is 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 encouraging, right? Like telling telling a child that you were scared, you felt what they feel. At, at some point in your life makes them identify with you and understand that they can get past it, right? Yeah. Makes a lot and, of sense. And I, I loved her amusement as a parent to her child calling her perfect. 
Like, I'm just not like you, mom. I'm not I'm not so perfect. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we as Rhaenyra uh, enjoy along with her, you know, being with her kind of ride riding along in her life, like <laughs> the irony of that statement. Right. Uh, but I thought it's a great it's a great scene. Great calm before the storm scene. Uh, Sir Lauren. Kingsguard, Queen, Queensguard. Yeah. Do, do you call okay. it the Kingsguard when there's a queen on the throne? I, I, Probably it's, not. It is in fact canonically called the Queensguard. Nice. Um, and he's going to be drafted in one of. I'll, I'll have a rundown of these guys here coming up when we we get to the other one. Okay. It seems like he's Rhaenyra's guard, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like to know more about them. Uh, so then we go to Rainus telling. Damon and Rhaenyra everything that happened at King's Landing including the death and the usurping of her title uh, Damon thinks it was murder because he's itching for a fight uh, the news causes Rhaenyra to have a miscarriage apparently she's mm-hmm. temporary side, temporarily sidelined as she deals with it and while she is Damon plans the defense of Dragonstone I am very amazed at how this show continues to use. I know a lot of people are making fun of it. Like, you know, how many childbirths can you have in one season? But every one Mm -hmm. of them has been distinct and different. And this one, like Rhaenyra almost cursing her body, you know, like I want to be in the room where it's happening. And I'm in this room with these goddamn wet, you know, uh, the, uh, the doulas or whatever birthing maids. And it sucks. And this like, you know, they, they mentioned in the, the after episode that this is kind of like her being at war with herself, like this, this war, what her family across the uh, Blackwater Bay is doing is literally tearing her apart. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought like it's just this, this felt like, you know, going back to the first episode, Queen Emma telling us, you know, this is our fate as royals. You know, we our battles, the birthing bed. Rhaenyra's mm-hmm. having to do both. Like this yeah. is a real fight like filmed like a, a fight you know uh with different moves and phases and stuff and I, I just thought you know it's uh you don't usually see childbirth like this depicted on on film no you do not and we've seen a lot of them yes I, the funny thing is no one would be complaining if we had seen like five battle scenes right right <laughs> it's like oh you god know, another battle scene the fuck you know you know <laughs> there's something to what you say jim uh-huh uh so yeah i'm i'm they're harrowing scenes they're almost all across the board extremely harrowing scenes uh and i i definitely feel them every time we get one uh this one's a particularly nasty one um i was gonna say nobody died i guess the baby died it's you know it's weird It, it almost stretches believability that like this bad news caused a miscarriage. I, I'm well, and I, th- and I thought at the end, hilariously, I thought at the end of the episode, oh, she's she gets the news about Luke and just has another miscarriage, right? There was another baby <laughs> rattling around in there. She got <laughs> made her spontaneously pregnant and miscarried uh, simultaneously. Yeah, uh, I, don't I was know. like, here we go again. I, so I, that's certainly what it's portrayed, and and it's some, it's how Rhaenyra, especially in the book, she makes it personal. Like this shit cost has already this war has already cost me my daughter i'm bellicose from the beginning and everyone mm-hmm. else is trying to calm her down uh, i thought it's interesting mm-hmm. to make her the kind of voice of reason despite all this stuff happening yeah um 
but it's like I I got it like that like you know nature's on a timetable of its own and it just like she was going to miscarry this day regardless because there's some abnormalities abnormalities to this fetus that uh, I think was hinted at on the screen but certainly made explicit in the book hmm. and it just so happened to coincide maybe the stress of the mother accelerated it a couple hours but like I think it's one of those things that it's just it's a coincidence but it's something that like it's such a powerful metaphor that like, you know, well, yeah, that's certainly be part of the lore and the telling of the story. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's my only real, even minor gripe with this episode is yeah. that that seems like a, a big coincidence. I wish they had had time and they didn't in the episode, but I wish they had had time to show like she was having some pains before this news came in, but it's like they did have as, her as Rainus tells her the news. She's like, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah yeah oh this fetus yeah like i said i think the stress can like it's something that was going to happen in hours or days and maybe the stress like i'm not an obstetrician i'm not an obgyn i'm a humble lord commander of a king's guard here uh (laughs) so i i I, i'm just going like i i I thought it was i thought it was a pretty cool i thought it was pretty cool dramatic especially since like this thing has this this whole season this whole episode this whole season's been framed by births and deaths and miscarriages and the struggle that women have gone through historically just fucking bringing forth the next generation so Mm -hmm. like you know like bringing that like full circle uh i thought was it was was pretty good and essentially again since it's like you know you felt the 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 struggle of the realm as personified through the struggle that rainier is going through with her own body i thought that yeah that that really worked for me and and just emotionally like this is this is such a, a huge defeat for Rhaenyra. Like you think of all the things she's done over her life for her duty, right? And thinking mm-hmm. that this is finally the moment where it all pays off. Yeah. And instead it's all been taken from her. Like all those years she spent, all the the fake sham marriages, all of the uh, lies about the parentage of her children, all of the stuff that she didn't want to do. And now she did it all, but it's for nothing. It's brutal. Yeah. And here she's doing it again, right? It's like, yeah. she she is, I really like what Emma Darcy says about the motivations of Rhaenyra because it, she is the only person in the room who's not rushing headlong into war. She's trying to make yet another sacrifice to keep the realm united. She's potentially going to give up, like I said, everything that she's worked for um, just to keep the realm together which is her father's dying wish so yeah i yeah i really felt for her in this moment it was it was a big blow getting this news um all that aside i thought i had a tremendous respect for the episode because the big question i had coming out of last week is why the fuck did rainus not just melt everybody down and having damon mm-hmm. exactly have be the audience surrogate and be like how did you moonwalk out of there why aren't our enemies lying dead at our feet already why and her being like, yeah, I know that this is going to mean war and I'm I'm not not cognizant of that. But like, it's also not my war to be. I thought that was really powerful because it's almost like she trusted Rhaenyra to maybe find a different way. Like, yeah, maybe we have mm-hmm. to go. Also, it feels like at the end of this episode that the blacks have a not unwarranted sense of confidence. Like, uh huh. They yeah. need two of the three or four lords that they're, you know, 
court, but they don't probably need all of them because they do have a massive advantage of the fleet. They do have a massive advantage in dragons. They even have like a, a territorial control of the narrow sea mm-hmm. geographically, uh, which I'll lay out later on. So it's like, I think that Rainier, they, they, there's this idea of like, you know, the greens are having an emotional reaction and are throwing a hissy fit. Uh, but we're going to offer them reverse generous terms and remind them of like, yeah, you got the biggest dragon, but how many of our mature dragons will it take to take down, you know, Vagar? And if we ever do, it's going to be your ass. So like, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to choke King's Landing until you decide. Like that, that seems like it has a chance of working. Yeah. And if they just went right to fire and blood, you know, it that will also work. But God knows what it's going to do to King's Landing, the capital city, what it's going to do to the surrounding area. Um, so I actually this actually entirely fits within Rainus's character, as I understand it. She's very pragmatic and practical, um, as is Rhaenyra. So, like, I I thought it was great. I They have completely won me around to, like... It had been an understandable but shitty strategic and tactical decision to do all that kinslaying, mm-hmm. whereas it's so optically confident to the people. It's like, can you imagine what the small folk of King Lane is like? Melee's just like fucking popped out of the ground, screamed at this bullshit king, and then ran off to tell Queen Rhaenyra who's going to come and give them all smacking. Like, that's a powerful narrative if they can back it up. Sure. No, I, I really like the disposition of the two different sides and their armies at the end of this episode, um, or, yeah. or at least the the theoretical future disposition, right? They talk about a scenario yeah. where they could potentially surround King's Landing, and I go, okay, maybe you could surround it. Can you hold that? Because they're going to have a lot of, King's Landing's going to have a lot of support on the ground. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, there'll be some key things that uh, we'll, we'll talk about. But I, I think it's certainly last episode. I think you could be forgiven. If it's like, well, the queen, the the greens have just pulled off this coup d'etat and there's it's mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. Like it's game set match. But it's like, yes, on paper. But it really remains to be seen. And all the most power, like all the air and sea supremacy is entirely in Rhaenyra's hands at the end of this episode. So what do the greens do about that? It's, it's yeah. really, it's, it's, it's great. I, like I said, I'm they're a plus how they're developing this. All right. Rainus fetches Rhaenyra's two oldest boys and tells them the news. Uh, or so, sorry, Rhaenyra tells him the news. Um, then Jace gets marching orders from his mother that nothing is to be done until she commands it, and he leaves to make sure that Damon abides by that order. Uh, you know, a lot of I, I've listened to a lot of coverage of this episode from our peers uh, and colleagues, and a lot of people have bad feelings about Damon, which fair enough after this episode but starting here with like him organizing the defense of dragonstone and kind of respond why she is a bed mm-hmm. um why i mean i don't you need know to defend. You, I, I don't know king's landing is like a quick dragons right away they could That's be sending dragons saying. right now like what if damon goes off? and holds her hand for 12 hours through and <laughs> breeze what's like that's that'd be a great husband thing to do but what good is it if they fucking land uh, a faceless like three boats of faceless men the two dragons Mm -hmm. and a long boat you know 500 long boats with 100 like like yeah like you 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 got to kind of take care of like this is about survival this is you are going through an active crisis 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a problem with Damon. Like maybe I, I and I like the balance of Jace standing up to him because this uh-huh. guy is a scary dude, you know, totally. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to enforce my mother's will. And the fact that Rhaenyra is keeping control, even though she's not in a room where things are happening, like but mm-hmm. Damon organized it. I don't know. I felt like even like I'd let him send some ravens, which I think is kind of like where the power struggle kind of landed. You, you, you can't just sit uh-huh. and be flat footed. No, I agree. Yeah, the the defense. Like, it'd be one thing if he were pushing an offense here, but he's not. Right? He's he's playing their right. defense. Which I think is he would smart push it. Like, I, if if Jace doesn't come in the room, I think he gets around to planning an offense pretty quick. Yeah, that was next on the list after the Ravens. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we're gonna send dragons to King's Landing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what do you think of Jace kind of bullying his brother there on the beach? It seemed like bullying his brother on the beach. Yeah, like when we when when Rainus comes out to get him, like he had just shoved his brother down, and he's like, "No, uh, no, no! What were you thinking?" Uh, what, I just wonder if you had any thoughts because I I had, or if your I thoughts mean, m- matched mine, I guess. Luke seems to be a fairly weak fighter. I'll say that. I don't think Jace is much better, but Jace is older. Um, I think he's just trying to toughen his brother up because he knows there's there's. Uh, Maybe not the fight for the realm necessarily, but he's going to need some strength. That's I, I thought that like Eamon backing them the fuck off at mm-hmm. their dad's, their granddad's last feast, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, this is the second time this guy has kind of like outfought me and intimidated me. And he's clearly like sharp as a blade and hard as the, like this guy is. The, I think he's like, because he is a dutiful guy. He's like, I've got to up my game. Like, I've been mm-hmm. concentrating on learning High Valerian and my P's and Q's. And pl- I've got a fucking war on my hand. Um, so, like, I think that's... But there's also, I think, shades of the fact that, like, you know, just like Otto impressed upon um, Alicent that you are under attack. You've got to... There's a little bit of that where it's like the kids mm-hmm. are learning the lessons that the adults have taught them too well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's the tragedy of this season, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then we go to where Damon gets word that Corliss is feeling better and has left even fall where he was recovering. Uh, they don't know where he's headed, though, which I think is giving everybody a little bit of pause. Like, what, which side is he going to pledge for here? Yes. Uh, Damon plans to fly out to the Tullys, but Jace arrives and tells him to cool his jets. Damon has some ravens sent and gathers a couple Kingsguard to meet, him, uh, meet with him and Jace. And we'll get to the result of that here in a second uh corliss survived i mean obviously if you've seen this episode you know that um but that was that was a super interesting point of tension for me because nobody really knows yet how valerians are going to declare yeah and that seems to be the balance of power shifting just just with their declaration right i mean if they declare for green it's over pretty much um, they still have the dragons and they're still, but, but it's, uh, it's a Rainier's much harder path fight. forward is much harder because yeah. like it's you, you've essentially, instead of encircling King's Landing, King's Landing now is a wall that you can't breach except by air. So, yeah. And you got to risk your dragons to do that. Yeah. And it evens the odds. I mean, the, if you, not completely, but it, it certainly gives them more dragons. Yeah. Uh, I get the impression that Rainus is a pretty formidable dragon rider. Yeah, and Melly's dragon is known to be pretty fierce, the Red Queen herself. Um, yeah. I thought it was, so, like, they mentioned three houses here, Darklin, Massey, and Bar Ammon. 
Um, these are essentially houses. Uh, the Blackwater Bay is in this, you know, big bay. King's Landing is at the extreme western end where the the Blackwater uh, River meets it. So it's like this big sheltered port, which is great. But all of these lords they mention are at the mouth of that bay, or I guess at the int- where, where it turns into the sea. Yeah, the mouth mm-hmm. of the bay. So, like, geographically, they would be isolating King's Landing because you'd have to get past all of these. They already have Dragonstone, which sits in the middle of Blackwater Bay. They got Driftmark, which also sits in the now they'd be owning both of the the, the points of the peninsulas that kind of encircle it. Mm-hmm. They have even without Corliss's power, they would have a pretty good, strong claim of control over the, the, the sea entry to King's Landing. And again, King's Landing is Westeros's largest, most important port. Mm-hmm. So, um. I thought it was interesting. And then like uh, House Darkland also has kind of an interesting story throughout uh, the, the world of ice and fire. And I think I'm going to do my Maester's Corner on uh, the 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 Darklands of Duskendale uh, mm. in the feedback episode. Okay. So look forward to that. A little oral history. Uh, now you know the whole story behind the, the Darklands. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Um, And I, I guess... So, so let me ask you about this. He definitely doesn't know whether to trust Corliss yet. I'm talking about Damon here. He also is asked, do you want to speak to the maester about these uh, ravens that they're going to send? And he just like stares daggers at the, the guy who suggested. Mm-hmm. Does he not trust the maesters in this situation? Is he like, what is his deal? Do you want to speak to the maester, my prince? And he just glares at him. I think it's because Rhaenyra in the background is screaming his name. And oh, oh, it's not about the ravens. It's, it's about, not about the ravens. Okay. It's about the condition of your wife and what the fuck is happening in the next room. And he's like, gotcha. I am not going to be distracted from this duty right now. Um, that makes a lot of but sense. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, in your, maybe in your preparations for the defense of your family's actual life, you can spare 30 seconds to go to your <laughs> wife and be like, hey, look, I hear. But like, you know, also, uh, I'm just I'm just calling her banners and deploying her forces. Is that cool? Like, yeah. But, you know, I, I it's I, that's I not love, how Damon is. Uh, no, not at all. And I love how sheepishly he walks in after it's all over, like the defense is planned and she's, yeah. you know, dealt with the, the birth situation. He's uh-huh. just like looking at the floor and <laughs> it's, it's plus it's funny. a real it's a real also it's just a real fucking bummer, you know, like, uh-huh. uh huh. They didn't get a happy result from from the birth. And Jesus, um, no. I don't think they they come out and say this in the show, but in the novel, this is Rhaenyra's first daughter. So oh, okay. she's got like a reverse problem her father had where she just couldn't get a female she couldn't get a a female to carry on the line of uh, women badasses um and it's like especially you know I think that's that would be an especially grievous thing um mm-hmm. is like you know you probably you know it's like oh god I finally had a daughter someone that could I understand my side of the thing uh mm-hmm. and look look it it got ruined by this fucking war yeah all right, Damon takes the couple of Kingsguard outside and forces them to renew their oaths for Rhaenyra under the threat of dragon fire. And kind of simultaneously, Rhaenyra is is in her chambers, forcing this baby out, like literally mm-hmm. just like all her will get out of me. She's she's saying it's, of course, stillborn because it's way premature. Um, she wraps it for the funeral pyre and then they burn it. We're going to kind of stop mid-scene there. 
There's still lots of hot D left to talk about. We'll be right back after the break. And now back to hot D. Yeah, uh, I talked about these the the Queen's Guard, the former King's Guard who are going to be inducted into yes. the Queen's Guard. Yes, You've got Sir Stefan Darklin. I'm going to be talking about the Darklands of Duskendale uh, in the feedback episode in the Maester's Corner. You got Sir Laurent Marbrand. Sir Stefan Darklin is the one that's got. Uh, it looks like he's slightly older, older, but he's the one with hair. <laughs> yeah. And Laurent Marbrand is the one without hair. Um, and. If you're not a book reader, do not Google these gentlemen. Please, I, <laughs> okay. I, just don't ever Google any of these people's names because, uh-huh. like, their story begins and ends right here. They're just fourth and fifth bananas on the King's Guard, and now they're part of the Queen's Guard, and their their history starts here, and it's all horrific spoilers for what's going to come on House of the Dragon seasons two and three. So just sure. don't do it. Just don't do it. That's who they are. <laughs> You'll get to know them uh, in in due time. But yeah, just yeah, don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Don't Google it. Oh, I hope they're not turned cloaks. I I still again thought this was a sour note. Like honestly, um, in the book, Damon is shown as one of the cooler heads, who's like wow, cognizant of the dangers <laughs> the dragons prove to each other, <laughs> right? who doesn't want to rush into things, and who is kind of like urging, let's let's get our banners together, let's get our shit together, let's encircle this thing, let's do... And I thought it was weird, but like I guess like for characterization, maybe more consistent to have him kind of be the temperamental hothead, you know, like he's the oh, fire yeah. in the relationship. Um, That's what I've been feeling all series so far. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't I did uh I, I thought I thought you just don't treat like this is just a, such a horseshit way to treat people who are supposed to take this duty as sacred, you know. And also sure. like what the fuck are they supposed to say? Right. Like die scream die get this horrifying lizard behind me is going to burn you alive and eat you. Mm-hmm. Or you can promise not to hurt my wife the queen. Or at some point later in the future if we win this fucking war and <laughs> yeah. you turn cloak I promise you'll die an even worse death than being burnt alive and eaten by this giant fucking lizard behind me. Already mm-hmm. a horrifying prospect that I'm sure you're sitting here in your car driving, commuting, or, you know, doing the dishes, whatever you, li- you, you can't even conceive of the horror of being burnt alive by a lizard and eaten. Um, this is some horse shit that they're putting the Kingsguard through, I think. Yeah, and uh, but I will say for them, if they do eventually turn on Rhaenyra that they are better liars than Lord Caswell. Lord Caswell is so shifty looking as he <laughs> stares into every corner of the room. Uh, yeah. They're just like, nope, we're good. Yeah, like yeah, he'd be the if, if any of these guys of like Marps or Sir Laurent uh, was like Caswell, he'd be as, as soon as Damon turns his back like halfway, <laughs> his cloak would start to shift. Yeah. What are you yeah. turning your cloak? No, no, just <laughs> no, I had a wrinkle. No. We just looked weird from this angle. I'm just kind of airing it. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> did, did we talk about the actual birth itself uh, it, yeah i wanted to get to that because okay, wow okay. this is a birthing seed jesus and they they also like the, the you know like her screaming in unison with cyrax i think that's supposed mm-hmm. to have like that's happening simultaneously somewhere in the dragon mount um it really implies there is this kind of psychic connection it's yeah. more than just like Valerian commands because you know I, I've been trying to be agnostic about this and I know what the book says and I know what the fucking Wikipedia say uh, but I'm really curious about what the show is going to say about these dragons 
And this episode is an intriguing mixed bag because like maybe the dragons have too much of a psychic bond that you have to have a certain amount of strength of will and character to not let your emotions unduly affect your steed. Yeah. You know, the effect of control in reading. Also, throughout this episode, I kept on thinking what Viserra said in the very first episode. Our control of the dragons is an illusion. I thought he was talking about poetically, you know, mm-hmm. like that that kind of thing. But like, I think there might be some actual truth as a guy who rode the biggest and baddest dragon of all time and never wanted to do it again. Um, him saying <laughs> uh-huh. that like we are kind of like barely, if not not in control of these things. This this episode really kind of crystallized those those two things it, that, yes, the Dar- Targaryens aren't bullshitting when it comes to some kind of connection, but also it's a two way street. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, as far as the the birth itself goes, am, was I supposed to be picking up on some irregularities in this birth? Because honestly, I don't know what like a five month old <laughs> stillborn is supposed to look like. So uh, it's hard for me to tell if there was anything quote unquote wrong. Well, with I don't this think baby. you're supposed to understand it's that premature. It's like you know, oh maybe really? Okay. Eight. I don't. I don't know. Like maybe. Uh, maybe you are. Maybe maybe you a couple are. months but, from um, full term. But but I, I thought, you know, just looking at it, it seemed like its head was pretty misshapen and deformed. The Again, back of it was very lumpy is, and weird. Is that normal? That feels normal for, for an unborn you can have baby. A, you, can have a, you can have a baby with a football-shaped head because it's squeezed at the birth canal, but like multiple bumps and Klingon kind of protrusions, not so much. And I think uh, hmm. uh, definitely you're supposed to understand that it had a missing or malformed leg. Like okay. there's a leg and then there was its like, you know, pubic cleft and then there's just kind of like this nubbin maybe uh so like so yeah why? The, and, and the book explicitly the book says the infant was twisted and malformed with a hole in its chest where its heart should have been uh if, and sporting a stubby scaly tail that last uh that last Ooh. part from mushroom but okay. you know what yeah yeah mushroom's been right a hell of a lot more than he's been wrong <laughs> in this book thus far what's the purpose of that why have the queen deliver what was obviously going to be a really deformed baby i think it's the fact that like she is fighting this war she is actually fierce um and that this war is already costing her something because in the book uh it's made explicit i don't know in the show that like she blames the greens for this happening that they sure i I get the point of her yeah having this miscarriage and and the the sacrifice of that i I understand that but the, the specifically the deformities like why have this baby be a baby oh, that clearly like, wouldn't have survived like even if it had come to full term. Like, like what is Martin getting at? With, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question because there is a lot of weird misshapen Targaryen births. And as someone joked in the instant talk, it's like, that's not surprising. You keep marrying sister to brother, brother to sister. Right, right. Niece to nephew. Like, you're going to get a fuck. But, like, maybe it's just that. But there's also... Hmm. There's also some, you know, lore, like deeper kind of lore theories that we don't know if they're ever going to come to fruition because Martin hasn't finished his fucking books. But there's mm-hmm. hints that like there might be something like human dragon hybrid that like, mm-hmm. you know, there's been theories like how do you get dragons in the first place? Are, you know, dragons like literally evolved? Like there's there's a couple of kind of like um, 
and there's something like Danny's baby was like this. They said Tyrion is like this. There's all kinds of like wild, exotic, time traveling fetus theories in in the Valerian tinfoil <laughs> stuff and stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't know. It just my I, I took it when I read it, it's like oh another twisted uh, Targaryen baby to throw into the pile of either genetic unfortunates from inbreeding or Martin fucking around with some kind of prophetic thing. Mm-hmm. But again, nothing has come to fruition, so it's hard to say. It sounds like some some fucked up Kyber and type stuff. Like he'd be experimenting with trying to combine d- well, so d- like dragons there is that, and humans. Right? And- so like if dragons require some sort of blood magic to bind and there is some, you know, uh, I looked up the meaning of Damon's song that he's singing to Vermithor and there's 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 something that we'll get to here in a bit. But like, hmm. you know, in, in the Game of Thrones universe, there seems to be some kind of life for life requirement or some kind of blood magic visits some kind of cost on the living. And yeah. there's been a lot of dragon eggs being hatched, a lot of dragon eggs being laid. And mm. is this like, is this the other shoe dropping from Damon being so proud of you finding a clutch of three? Something to think okay. about. I don't know. Interesting. Nothing I think you can prove in the text, but it's it's a connection that some of the lore meisters have been and keeping an eye on uh we talked about the connection between rhaenyra's birth and her dragon but there's a disconnect here that i like in this scene too and it's damon and rhaenyra they're both feeling the loss of of this child they're both feeling the loss yeah. of Viserys, but they're feeling it separately right he's out on the the cliffside just kind of kneeling down I, I don't know whether he's praying for war or what but well it's also this is the second time it's happened to damon like you know True. like yeah. he lost his first wife over it um, he might be praying cared for, for for her safety I, I don't know but like right yeah he's that's why he's getting there's a lot of stuff that he's feeling just like Rhaenyra is mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's not usually as clear with Damon right because you look at him and you say well he's a very angry and and uh Right. Quick, quick to wrath and all these things. So I, I don't know if he's angry here, or if he's really feeling some genuine sorrow. But I think, you we'll know, see. his shoulders slump falling like the, the, him and Rhaenyra both like you know, he falls mm-hmm. to his knees, braced on his sword, dark sister on the beach. She falls to her knees as she's kind of like, you know, keeping the silent sisters at arm's length and kind of doing the funerary customs for her own uh, infant here. Um yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's both. I think there's 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 enough rage and grief and sorrow to go around for both yeah. of them. All right, so we're we're midway in this scene here after the the funeral pyre where they burn the child. Uh, the black twin shows up and he pledges himself to Rhaenyra, giving her Viserys's crown, which he stole before leaving King's Landing, and then Damon crowns her queen, and everyone except for Rhaenys bows and takes a knee. This is. This is a great scene. Like, I like how they closely they tied this. This is so much better than uh, in the books because, like, narratively, this is Rhaenyra at her lowest point, right? You know, she's just suffered this grievous personal loss. Uh, Her husband's feeling it. Everything has just been a bummer after bummer after bummer. And they haven't even and and Team Black hasn't even really done anything yet. But send a raven or two. And mm-hmm. here comes this loyal King's Guardian who's going to be a Queen's Guardian with big King V's crown that mm-hmm. he's stolen and he's going to put on her head like you don't have, you know, it's like it's just a, it's the turning point where things stop sucking and things get better for Team Black and then things start sucking again. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, I like it yeah. because this is this is the light crown, right? Versus the dark crown. You get the egg on the conqueror's crown that's almost black. Iron, cruel, yeah. unyielding. You've got this beautiful golden crown from Viserys, and they represent conquering versus the peacetime. Good right? times, busy T, yeah. Uh-huh. Busy V rather. Busy. Yeah, well, no, he is busy T. Never mind. He's busy T. Uh and, and so I have to think that that is sort of uh ringing in her ears too right she sees this crown she knows what kind of king he was and taking over that mantle this directly uh Mm -hmm. with this symbol is it has got to be telling her like keep the realm together don't don't make this about you this is about symbolism yeah Yeah. this is about the song of ice and fire yeah Uh, I, i really like this moment and and damon being the one to crown her here i think is just a really special moment for them uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, bows before says he's he's his queen. Um, every like I said, everyone bows except for Rainus. What'd you make of that? Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about it on the instant take. I felt like Rainus was still not willing to declare for anyone here, and mm-hmm. and I don't. She she's still she's still figuring out who Rhaenyra is going to be, and and who yep. Rhaenyra has been. Right, she's trying to determine. Okay, did she kill my son? What kind of leader is she going to be? Is she worthy of me? pledging myself to her and so her yeah. not kneeling here makes a lot of sense especially in light yeah, no, of no i agree she doesn't feel like she has the right much of the way she doesn't have the right to start this war she doesn't have the right to pledge house valerian to rhaenyra because corliss is going to return also i thought it was really clever how they staged this that she's literally the last person in this crowd so like no one mm-hmm. can see her not kneeling Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. something where she can maintain fidelity to her husband, to her house. She can show respect to Rhaenyra and no one sees the like minor act of defiance or neutrality. <laughs> right. I thought right. it's like, that's like, yeah, like what's it going to cost her? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept thinking through this whole episode. Okay. This is the moment where the civil war starts, right? Like the queen being crowned queen yeah. is the moment where it kicks off. Uh, boy, I didn't see the end of this coming. Because that's quite obviously the moment. I thought it was interesting too. Dave Chin speculated on this on his podcast, and I I think I've confirmed it by looking at the photo. This is the same spot that uh, Damon and Rhaenyra got married. Oh, so it's like this has you know it's got this little stone altar. Um, This is where they got married. This is where they've cremated their third child, their first daughter, and this is where she's crowned, like, on the spot. Like, there's Mm. a lot of spiritual and political significance to this spot, which I thought was kind of cool. A nice kind of through point that they've done with this this back half of the season. Makes me think it won't be the last time we see that location. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) Don't drag a stone altar up to some godforsaken place in Northern Ireland or (laughs) wherever the hell this is and and not going to use it again. Right. Okay, the painted table is lit up and they get the war markers out queen rhaenyra presides over the war planning session as they run down their assets and allies rhaenys abstains from pledging her support because corliss will return soon uh daemon clearly is out for blood he's pushing to surround king's landing with dragons uh the black twin interrupts to say that a green ship is approaching uh i was amazed i did not realize that this table could light up but yeah. when they started lighting up that table and I realized like how it lights up and how cool it was going to look, I was blown away. 
Yeah, I like it's something that's like medievally plausible. You get some kind of yeah. soapstone and you carve it shallow or it's like this is essentially like a pumpkin and you paint the surface uh-huh. like like painted tables always been like, oh, it's painted to be realistically accurate, but like it's painted so it doesn't shine. Dude, it was in fact like half a hundred people have already suggested through feedback. This has got to be season two's opening credits. It's got to be be this painted table. You can see the markers move across it as battles happen and as houses fall and declare. You can Mm -hmm. have uh, areas of the table flame out if they've been like, oh, yeah, if you come on. okay, uh, maybe your water, (laughs) blood waterfalls were cool for this season for the prologue. But we got it. We need we need some fucking maps, man. I'm getting tired of trying to explain to people that going from. Dragonstone to King's Landing is not jetpacking. <laughs> it's commuter flighting at best. Like, yeah, or yeah. at worst. Yeah, no, I, I hope that they will do something. It doesn't necessarily have to be the painted table, but I do hope that they're willing to admit that that really added nothing to the no. show is this bloodline. Uh, it's been kind of cool to see the individual sigils and stuff, but not nearly as cool as a painting table swooping around and going here and going there. And, and especially as we get into the more complex uh, inter-house yeah, relationships, right. it's going to be necessary to understand right. where like, these people are. It'd take a five-minute scene to explain why the Riverlands are so key. Right. To But, like, if you look at the painted table and it's like, oh, well, of course. Uh-huh. You know, you're you're essentially splitting the enemy in two. Like, they're their wealthiest, yeah. largest army. We've got the fleet. There's no, like, yeah, you're dividing and conquering versus, like, oh, Riverlands are key. Hmm, well, it must be because they got a lot of money or kind of, oh, it's sure. all about the geography. It's, it's, it's a shame. I, and I think they need it. And I understand why. It's like, okay, we're going to do the theme, but we got to do some unique. But, like, you got a unique twist on the Game of Thrones credits. It's a fucking painted table. Mm-hmm. Just just pan around the painted table, guys. <laughs> Make the markers move around. It, it, Yeah, that's what I want to see next season. Another thing I noted in this scene is the nature of Rhaenyra's life just completely changes once she becomes yeah. queen, right? She's got Kingsguard, or, sorry, Queensguard, who just mm-hmm. up her ass, like, she has to tell them to back off because you're almost a moment of almost like a moment of comedy like there's Uh like you know yeah it's a farce uh, that was nice and then you've got servants coming up and your wine my queen uh yeah yeah this, this is the kind of life you have as a queen that you didn't have as a princess yeah offering her wine or perhaps uh negroni with some prosciutto <laughs> have you have you have you seen that meme uh-uh Man, Emma Darcy is an extremely quotable and cool person. And there's this uh, I I don't know what it's from, but they're being interviewed, you know, like some kind of gossipy thing and about like what their favorite drink is and whatnot. And and they they bust out this Negroni. And they they got such a cool like this Negroni. Uh, Emma Darcy drinks Negronis. Yeah. Garnished with prosciutto. I think is what I'm hearing. <laughs> you throw crazy. some you throw thinly sliced meat. I don't know. Maybe I'm not getting the joke. That's crazy. Uh, okay. But I've it's... never seen that, but <laughs> you need to get on social media one of these days, grandpa, and uh, see what yeah. the kids are saying. Cause it's pretty entertaining. Well, well me and Emma can share Negronis if we ever meet. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm a fan. Celebrate as Italian. Uh, Apparently. Yeah. I, yeah, but I, I thought, yeah, it's like they, they really sold that, that slow mar- motion march to the throne room with her crown. It's like she has been transformed. Yeah. 
Uh, they run down all their assets. They got 30 knights, 100 crossbowmen, uh, 300 men at arms. And Damon's going to run down all the dragons that they have. It looks like the greens have three adults. I love how he discounts the young dragons of the greens. Like he's just, oh, three adults. That's all we have to worry about. And yet he counts Arax in, or Arax, yeah. however you say it, in their count. Well, but the one that he's discounting the greens have um, is like a hatchling. So like, oh, okay, you okay. couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't even, even write not it. even a five-year-old could write it. So yeah. yeah. So it's like, I think, I think he's, and when they're talking fighting size, you're essentially talking a Cessna. You know, mm-hmm. like if it if you can Jizz if it can carry a rider into battle, it's fighting size. But as we mm-hmm. saw, the disparity between Vagar and what's considered a fully mature adult dragon is pretty fucking amazing. Oh yeah, uh, but they do have a lot. They have thirteen, I think he claims thir- thirteen to three, uh, with twelve eggs incubating. So depending on how long this war lasts, you might see yeah. some of those. So to run it down, you've got the three three dragons of Syrax, uh, Caraxes, and Meles. That's Rhaenyra, Rhaenys's, and Daemon's dragons. Then mm-hmm. you got Vermax, Arax, and Taraxes, which are the three strong boys, Luke, Jace, and uh, Joffrey. You've got B- Bela on Moondancer. So Lena still hasn't gotten one yet, or no? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Is yeah. She perks up when when Damon Raina. says, "And we have the unclaimed ones in the right dragon mount." Um, yeah. But you know, none of these dragons, except for probably Melees and Caraxes, has uh, any kind of real war experience. You get the unclaimed dragons: Sea Smoke, Vermithor, which we'll see later. Uh, that's the one that. Uh, uh, Damon sings to and oh. Silverwing, which is Queen Alisane. That's uh, you know the the Valerian Steel Womb, thirteen children over twenty nine years, and mm-hmm. that's uh, Jaharis's wife. So that's Jaharis and Jaharis's queen's dragons, Vermithor and Silverwing, and three wild dragons. Shall I tell you these wild dragons' names? If you'd like, yeah. Because like when I when I got to this point, this is something me and Anthony discussed on the podcast. Like I underlined this and like, oh fuck, these guys have to have stories behind them. The three wild dragons that have never been claimed by Ryder are Sheep Stealer, Grey Ghost, and the Cannibal. Oh, yeah! That's a dragon I finally dragon. got yeah 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 yeah. I finally got a reaction out of you. The Cannibal. The Cannibal. Yeah. You gonna unleash the Cannibal? Who's gonna swing their leg over the Cannibal? The Cannibal's never been ridden. Why do they call it the Cannibal? It's just fucking I mean, eating dragons out there. Holy shit! There's goats and cows. It would be easier. What? Yeah. So like, I mean, this come is on, this is not spoilers. These were the thoughts in my head when I first uh, first read this, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I listened to all the podcasts to refresh my mind. So like, yeah. Uh, God, I kind of wish they had uh, they had said it, but yeah, these are the canonical names of the three wild dragons. Yeah, maybe they're saving that uh, for a reveal later. Uh, this might piss people off. If you, yeah, names of dragons are spoilers. Are names of dragons spoilers? They can't be. It doesn't tell you anything about what's going to happen with them. No. Yeah, you can buy their toys now. <laughs> it'd be it'd be like if uh, you know you could actually buy the toy set. Uh, a game, you know, like Star Wars spoils itself with CDs and stuff. Anyway, oh, stupid sure, joke. sure. Yep. And then that's so against the enemy dragons, you've got Vagar, uh, Sunfire, which is uh, uh, Aegon's steed, Dreamfire, which is Helena's steed, and then Tessarian, uh is the dragon of Darian, Daron, uh, who is currently over in Hightower getting squired by Otto's older brother or warded. I forget, hmm. getting raised up. 
We haven't seen him. Yeah, Guardian. I don't know. Guard. Yeah, he's, he's uh, the ward of. Yeah. Yes, he's being warded. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, his Tessarian. We haven't seen either of those, but uh, they're counting them as as part of their dragons. Okay. And then I said the kids, the younger, the younger children have, um, I think, a hatchling and a, dra- and a and a dragon egg. They're bobbling around. Yeah, though the whole scene, I'm getting the impression that Damon wants to take over this operation. You know, he's yeah. put he, me. Let's land in Heron Hall, cut off King's Landing, choke him down. We will have these people done before the moon's before 28 days before the moon turns, you know? Yeah, it's dangerous, man. I saw how he handled the stepstones and it was not even touch and go. Touch and go is generous. He was it's losing. The, he was failing. Very Zap Brannigan. Like I'm going to send wave after wave of my own men until... <laughs> <laughs> They're exhausted from killing them, right? Yeah, it didn't. Right. But, you know, you gain experience, uh, kind uh, of. What, did, what could he possibly have learned there? He, like I said in the instinct, he sent through this big Hail Mary that shouldn't mm-hmm. have worked. And it did. And it yeah. did. And yeah, you don't you have got false confidence learns. from that. You got a lot. You got a guy to learns bold strokes and insane risks and gambles are the way to go. Um, right. Which is, like I said, different than than current era Damon's characterization in the book. He's a lot more like, Hmm. hey, you know, dragons can kill dragons and we don't want to unnecessarily risk ours. There's smarter ways to use them. You know, let's not be too hasty here. He's just like, yeah, fuck yeah, it's mount up and burn, burn this shit. Mm hmm. Yeah, which yeah, it's going to be interesting. So the other thing I want to point out that, like, I don't think I've actually realized because we talk about in Westeros, the dragons are the nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. I think mad would be a completely different doctrine, mutual assured destruction. If all of the warheads in the arsenals of the various nations had the immediate family members of the ruling person strapped to the warheads. Yeah. And that's something that like is a reality they're dealing with is like, these aren't just dragons are risking a combat. It's the princes. It's the Royal consort. It's the, it's the aunt of the queen. It's the king himself. The king Mm -hmm. himself has to ride a dragon into battle on the other side for the greens, or they got one, one dragon that just can't be ridden. So it's like a really interesting guy. Do you remember like in this, this came up in like late season leftovers where some, pacifist had this um, conjecture. It's like, what we should do is we should take the president's best friend and we should put the nuclear launch codes in that, like surgically embed them in that person's heart so that if the president wants to nuke, he's given a knife and he has to dig that fucker out of his best friend's heart to Mm. launch the. There's a little bit of that element here. Like when you commit a dragon to the battlefield, you're committing someone you love and an irre- irreplaceable asset. And yeah, you're right. That's one of the really cool angles of the dance that I dev- never really appreciated until again they were fucking humanized. Because like right, in the books, right. it's like a vi- they're video game characters. Like I don't even think of them as like thinking about the risks of- involved, but they really nailed it on the show. Yeah, especially when you point out that the king has to ride one. That's that's a Big and his queen, the king and his queen <laughs> and his brother are who oh, has boy. the adult dragons uh, on. Yeah, the your side. entire royal family. Yeah. 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 I mean, the same battles. is true over on the black side, but they also have a lot more dragons so they can. You don't have to. They don't the have lesser. to put the queen in the battle right. to match their strength. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's a huge advantage. Huge mm-hmm. advantage. Um, Because as reluctant as Rhaenyra is to use dragons, I think they might be just as reluctant on the green side. They don't have many. Although, like I said, that's the the fog of war. Um, I was. It, I think it's interesting that they did commit Vagar and not mm-hmm. in defense of King's Landing, right? Like, if I was the black yeah, totally. trying to to think, I'd be like, well, you gotta you gotta think they're keeping Vagar at the capital, right? It's the only thing that could protect them from all of our dragons. We got thirteen to four. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet they had them just in in kind of like a wild gamble. Go fly over there to impress Baratheon and say, so it's. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, but you can kind of count on them thinking you're going to have the dragon there, right? Because it would be so it's, stupid to not have it there. <laughs> it's a chess match. It is. It's a really yeah. strategic chess match. And if you a play it of, wrong, you fuck up, you can you can lose big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. I have predicted amazing season two. Yeah, um, should should be. Yeah, I, I, one last thing about this scene. I love the look that Rainus gives Damon when he claims that Malice, Malice is on their side. Mm-hmm. He's like run down the list and he's like, oh, yeah, we've got uh, she's like uh-huh. Cyrax and Caraxes and Melis. And she's like, w- say what? <laughs> he's been doing that all episode long. Like every uh-huh. time they're like Corliss is sailing to Dragonstone to declare for my queen. Like he's <laughs> counting the eggs, dragons before they're they're committed. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right. Let's uh, go. So, so we get this message. Hey, there's a green ship approaching and Damon's crew meets Otto's crew out on the bridge to Dragonstone. Rhaenyra flies in on her dragon once again and then Otto delivers Aegon's terms of surrender. Uh, let's say they're let's say they're Aegon's terms. Mm-hmm. Rhaenyra takes his hand of the kingpin and throws it into the sea. Otto gives Rhaenyra the page that she ripped out of the book like eight episodes ago as a symbol of Allison's feelings on the matter and Rhaenyra says they'll have her answers tomorrow. Yes, yeah, it's something like I, 16 to 20 years ago when they, they ripped out this page. Uh, yeah. What would you think of – see, because I, I, I just kept on thinking when I was watching the scene what a strength it is this show. I know people didn't like the time jumps and it was confusing for people. But mm-hmm. being able to throw a moment like this in a single season where you can mm-hmm. call back and like instantly recall all the friendship and what – just like we saw in Allison, it wasn't easy for her to just go to war and murder these people. She didn't want to do that. It's why they're yeah. getting these. I, I would call these generous terms. This is essentially status quo, except for resolve all the bullshit. And also you don't get to be queen. That's the only thing that changes everything else. All your sons get the same shit. All your you're not going to be queen and your kid. But like everything else stays the same and there's no bloodshed. Um, if you believe that. Right. I, I have my doubts about five years hence, especially if King Aegon turns out to be a real shitty king. Mm-hmm. If that equilibrium stands. But. That's the offer. It's a pretty. I I I, I interpret it as a pretty generous, fair offer for what they're asking. Sure, it's just a matter of can you trust Otto? Can you trust someone who's just usurped your claim on the Iron Throne? Yeah. Uh, uh, the Damon's answer. No. Damon's answer. It's like I'd rather f- literally feed my sons to my dragons and have them mm-hmm. carry your cups and shields for this drunken usurper cunt and oh by the way let's give you our answer now uh let's give allison her answer now stuffed in her father's head along with the side as withered cock uh-huh. uh he was ready to end it uh oh yeah i mean the way he's pacing he's the the caged tiger here right like and i it's so i good. also love when the queen says no and damon with great effort mm-hmm. stands down like it 
it's like it's like a multi-stage process of putting his sword away and stick it in the ground and putting in and like bowing his head like it's it's hard for him to do as we will see here in a minute yeah um it makes me wonder if that's gonna hold if the queen's authority is gonna hold through the civil war here she looks the part, man. Like her eyes uh-huh. when are blazing when Otto tries to princess her. Like I am the queen now, you son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot yeah, of that this... in this episode, right? People calling people princess or calling them. Uh, I forget what Baratheon calls her, but Luke reminds her that or him that she's the queen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting from a book reader's perspective that, like, in the books, the sigil of the greens is a gold dragon on a black field to represent um, Aegon's personal steed, Sunfire, who's kind of a yellowish mm-hmm. dragon. And they've made it a green dragon, I think, just to make, you know, because they've built this team green affiliation so strongly that they're just going to make that change. Or it could be the Aegon, that's his personal sigil, and, like, the side of his, like, team is going to be a green dragon. Uh, I don't know, but I thought it was an interesting change. I'll say the one though. weird thing that they've done is they've just taken to having Rhaenyra call them the Greens. There was no, as best I could tell, the show just sort of appropriated that from the meta of of the book or the or the yes. fandom or whatever. They never yeah. had a scene where they decided to call them the Greens. She mm. just started saying the Greens. Yeah. I, I feel like that's it wasn't done perfectly. I, I, I would like at least you to see where they figure step, it out. Step up and say, you are now <laughs> a council of the greens. Like, I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, yeah, it's just like, and I guess everybody knows what she means. When she wa- they had the moment when she walked in, in the green dress and the book makes it explicit that court started yeah. call. But like the book making explicit said it became the custom. So it's not like it was decreed. It's just like people started mm-hmm. saying like, oh, I'm a green, I'm a green, I'm a green, I'm a black, I'm a green. And like, it wasn't like a top down branding. It was bottom up. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. How you do I don't know that. how you show that. I thought, I thought the way that the, the fucking audience took to it, like mm-hmm. the second that she said, oh yeah, the greens, greens and blacks were a thing. That yeah. fucking yeah. moment. So like, it does seem to have worked. I was worried about it too. And I was like really struggling not to call people blacks and greens before they dropped in the episode because that's that's <laughs> right. the thing in the book. That's yeah. Has anybody ever called their their team the blacks? Rhaenyra's team in the show yet? I don't think it has happened. I thought and I wonder I, how that's going to happen. I thought they I thought last episode they did. But did they? I, they might I, have. I could be I wrong. Missed it. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, speaking to this like in name only stuff I love when Otto calls Otto says and your true born son Jacaris will inherit uh, drag pass down Dragonstone yeah. I'm like oh now he's true born now he's true born you dick yeah. but that was part I think that's the unspoken part of the offer we're legitimizing yes. your bastards for yes. all time like we're gonna drop this um, yeah, but also like I said that him. it does seem that everything that King's Landing did last episode was all feels very on paper when you're looking at it from the other side. Oh, Except sure. But Vagar. it's also very like symbolism is powerful. It right? is powerful. And, and Otto, is. when he says he has the king's sword, he has the king's crown, he has the king's name. All of that stuff is super important to the people that he's going to be ruling over. Especially, but if it like it's all centered right now on King's Landing, that's it. And King's Landing feels yeah. very isolated. So... 
Mm-hmm. Um, and even giving the Baratheons on your side, if you give Team Green that, which I think, fair to say, it doesn't really solve their problem of being isolated because the Stormlands yeah. are right, right, right by the Crownlands. They they don't give you any, you know, really geographic control over anything that you don't already and, have. And I do think that, I think it's Rhaenyra who says this in the episode, but the Starks have never broken an oath. Um, I, I think they will have the Starks and the North on their side. That's my assumption because that yeah. is the that is the story they told me in Game of Thrones that the Starks yeah. are extraordinarily honorable. Yeah, it made me really smile when they said like even in this era that the like yeah the fucking Starks are solid. Like if they like it might be stupid, but <laughs> if they swore an oath, <laughs> right. they swore they're going to get them it. all beheaded. Like it's but, not even yeah. a question. It's not even a question. Yes, and, uh, and I think that will this, hold. Though. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask a mildly interesting question: How how big of a of a knee knee kick to the crotch will it be to the fans that the Starks do turn cloak? Oh my god! I mean, then then you're looking at a rebellion the likes of what happened on Rings of Power every time they changed a piece of lore, right? Like, no, no, that's why Ned's so because he's he's still smarting. House Stark's still getting over that one smirch in their honor. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's why he's, he's trying to so, get something to prove. That's why he's such a stubborn ass. He's just he's doubled no. down on that. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Craven Cra- Cregan is what they call him in the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, uh, well, I'll look for that in season two. Yeah, yeah. But f- but for real, it's gonna be hilarious. No. <laughs> but maybe no, it, it will it will really suck if they can't get some of the other Riverlands uh people that they need, the Riverlands houses. It, it, and again, if you if you look at the map of Westeros, the Riverlands is one of the one of the fucking poor kingdoms that bleeds every time there's a war because right. they they essentially they stand in the path of every other major power. You can't get from because of all the weird peninsulas and jetties and how narrow it is. You can't none of the other major powers can get anywhere else without trampling across the Riverlands. Yeah. So they are they are the linchpin. You need all the others for the boots on the ground. But you're not going to get anywhere unless you can control the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. All right. Rhaenyra is reluctant to use dragons and is considering giving up her claim to the Iron Throne to preserve the peace of the realm. Damon is pissed about it. She reminds him about the Song of Ice and Fire, but he has no idea what she's talking about. And then he chokes her and tells her dreams didn't make us dragons or <laughs> dreams didn't make us dragons or kings. The dragons did. Sorry, I botched that. Oh, no, I was just thinking of how to proceed because like I, I understand this scene a lot more than I did, you know, in the in the in, when I first saw it, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been thinking about there's a lot going into this, like Damon's impatience, like maybe his fearing that his, his wife is going to be too weak to do what needs to be done to protect her house, uh, mm-hmm. him giving a literal object lesson about the value of strength and power over, you know, rules and niceties and diplomacies. Um, yeah. He's not a I, I, like the thing is, is that Damon's not a good person. Like sure. if you're a husband and you're going to essentially bully your wife to make a rhetorical point that you're not a good person. Mm-hmm. Um and like, you know, uh, whether he does cool stuff or not, like, yeah, like, I think this is the show's reminder of the fact that, like, yeah, he's not been gentled, you know, um, but also it's a reminder of the show that, like, from Rainier's perspective, like, she expects a, a certain amount of burning together and that she's not cowed by this because as soon as she mm-hmm. he lets go of her windpipe, she comes right back with like, ha, like laughing. Didn't tell you. Yeah. My father never even told. So, like, I don't think she was necessarily fearing for her life 
No. If I'm, but like again, I say this as a pretty burly man that has never really been in much physical fear of my life. Uh, so like I, I don't know, but like the way that she kind of like just came right back at him. Um, again, I, I I wouldn't want to model this behavior in my relationship. Um, but I, I understand where it came from. What do you do? You concur with my analysis or? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really like what they did in prior episodes to show us this fire that's burning in this relationship. It's not. It's not a smooth and calm surface here. There is a lot of passion, um, yeah. passion for different things, passion mm-hmm. for each other, um, and, and a lot of a lot of will there uh, on both sides of this that I think is is at times clashing and at times yeah. working in solidarity. And I, I think that is extremely interesting and complex. And this is something that is tracks clean for his character. The Damon is, you know, remember how much he hates Otto, the second son, conniving, scheming, yes. uh, inferior worth. This is how he views himself too. This is an old wound for Damon. The fact that we've got final, we, we've been speculating all season, but Viserys never took Damon seriously as an heir because he never told him about the Song of Ice and Fire. And this is kind of like a, a fresh slap from the grave in Damon's face. Um, Which at the at the risk of repeating myself is still fucking wild that he never said anything to Damon, but there it is. He didn't. So I I I I, I tentatively have something set up with Kim Renfro, uh, the the co-host of A Cast of Kings, to talk about because like I want to talk about how they've used this prophecy throughout mm-hmm. the season because it's one of the qualms I have. Um, it doesn't seem like it added in almost anything, and some points it kind of takes away because like. It does. I I feel like the Targaryens are fundamentally unserious about the, the the Song of Ice and Fire, because like you might not think much of sure. Damon, but like do you, don't you have to say something? Because if you don't, mm-hmm. what it happens with if you, you choke on? Yeah, you choke on a fishbone tomorrow, mm-hmm. and don't, you've told no one, you know. Uh, and the fact that, he, that that means his brother never considered him as an heir at all. Like, yeah, yeah. that, yeah. They've really, they've really done a good job of showing that that's a big thing to Damon. And again, yeah, shouldn't you shouldn't try to choke your wife out WWE style? But um, so I heard. I think that's yeah. what's going. That's what's going going into the the relationship. But they 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 are they are not a, a healthy power dynamic. And that's the other no. thing is like they've always had an unbalanced power dynamic. You know, she was a little girl, mm-hmm. naive about the world. He was the older, wiser mature uncle that has kind of turned now that she's older and you know the queen and has actual real power and i feel like that's something that he like it's all easy to bow like my queen but then when she's like not agreeing with you it's a real fucking bummer yeah (laughs) so damon you're so fired up to go kill these people who have been tormenting you yeah for decades now yeah yeah and you've got your opportunity yeah it's that you've got your license to right i mean this is an act of war right yeah as he says so because yeah. it's the thing it's like you know it's like she says what do you expect me to make the realm burn because i'm angry he's like no i expect you to defend it as the queen against rebellion which uh-huh. fair enough sure and the I other like that they both have valid points of view here and the other thing is like also damon this he sees his brother as a dreamer a literal dreamer as a problem like you know he mentioned this yeah. like i love that word feckless uh mm-hmm it like this like this this is the thing that one thing redeems my brother's feckless rule uh and the fact that like 
it's surfacing now in his wife and it's causing him to not take vengeance for it's like it must be supremely frustrating and again you know choking is a demonstrating like here's your dream your dream of an ice and fire where you're this important thing like i could kill you right now and what's the dream gonna do um dreams gone yeah there's still lots of hot d to talk about we'll be back right after the break and now back to hot d no, I, I love it, and especially because we know that the prophecy is correct in a roundabout way, right? <laughs> like, Damon is kind of fighting fate here. Uh, and it doesn't, and and, it doesn't so, win, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's that extra the extra little bit of, oh, God, he's, he's so wrong, and he's doing bad things to prove how right he is, and yeah. And conversely, it's, it's the, like, it's a slap on the face to Rhaenyra from the, or from the, to Damon from the grave, but it's an attaboy. That like actually your dad did take you seriously as an heir because he took you in confidence day one of that shit where day where Damon he was like oh yeah you're the heir all right buddy you're on Dragonstone so it like yeah you're it, right it reaffirmed her legitimacy by her father from beyond the grave and I think that's part of what kind of made her kind of glow uh, with with you know defiance of her fuckboy husband but also like oh my god my dad really <laughs> sure. did love and see me as an heir you know and it makes it all the more important that she try to unite the realm no matter what the cost is like she says yes yeah all right Corliss wakes up to find Rainy sitting by his bed excuse me Rainus. uh she tells him now his uh, how his brother died and chastises him for leaving them when they needed him most and then she convinces him to pledge for Rhaenyra so he goes into the hall and pledges their dragons and ships um and as a bonus Corliss already holds the narrow sea, which they plan to, I guess, drain. You could drain the narrow sea in preparation for a siege of King's Landing. <laughs> Not literally. So, like, I thought they did a really good job. <laughs> drain it of ships? Because remember, they they remember what Corliss said in the first episode, that if they neglect the threat that the Triarchy to the Stepstones, they will cut off trade in the narrow sea and beggar King's Landing. And he beggar. said, that's what we cannot allow to happen. And what he is saying is we're going to deliberately do this and beggar King. So, like, you don't have to understand, but you have to understand that, like, the best sea captain in the whole fucking world, by his estimation, you can cut off all trade uh, mm-hmm. to the, the sea. And again, it's not like you've got super highways running across Westeros. So it's like, oh, we had all this tonnage of stuff going to King's Landing from the reach and from here and from there. And we're just going to. 500 miles ship it across in caravans and wagons like that would take time in a medieval society so like mm-hmm. long term maybe you could survive but how the hell are you going to and, and I also wondered them establishing that they got rid of the treasure out of King's Landing as a way to avoid being sacked and it all you know losing everything in one throw I wonder if that'll work against them if they can successfully encircle it's like you've got the treasury we don't have access to it but you yeah try to get to your ATM to get it out you know uh mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, and, you know, they, they mentioned, like, and again, it, it just uh, look at a map of Westeros. This isn't spoilery. And the what, what they're, they're describing here is, like, um, King's Landing is in the shape of, like, a crab's claw. And, like, the northern pincher, uh, they've got the, the, the house that controls that. 
the Southern Pincher that they call Massey's Hook. They got the the house that controls that already sworn to them. They've already gotten the Ravens back from them. And and uh, Rainus is willing to patrol the gullet, which is a stretch of water that goes between Dragonstone and that Southern Point, that Massey's Claw. It's a very stretch. Mm-hmm. So if Mellis can just like literally vaporize any ship that goes across that 10, 15, maybe 20 miles. Uh, and they've yeah. got King's Landing completely isolated from the sea. Um I, I thought they did a pretty good job of, descri- of, of describing that, but I, I I did see a lot of show-only watchers kind of struggling with it. No, I, I felt like in a single shot, they managed to convey almost everything, right? Like, you've got Corliss saying what's going to happen here, talking yeah. about the gullet, yeah. and w- kind of moving his hand over the bay mm-hmm. um, as as he's saying it. And, I yeah, I felt like, oh, I got everything I needed from that. I see where this could be a, a siege potential. Yeah, and I think that uh, De- I think Rain- Rainier is wise to like. I don't want the first stroke of war to fall on me because you know mm-hmm. I don't want to be a kingslayer. I don't want to be a kinslayer. I don't like to me. This is a PR problem. I've got an usurper. If we you know like like if we encircle them, it'll be an easy matter to starve them out. No one has to die except of course the small folk. They're going to starve. No one has mm-hmm. to die. We can settle this peacefully, and that's best for the realm. Yeah. And that's clearly what she wants is what's yeah. best for the realm. I also like uh, when, you know, Jace steps up and volunteers. It should be us like fuck the Ravens. Dragons can fly faster and it shows we're serious. Like Corliss backs that play in exactly the same way that he backed Rhaenyra's play when, you know, uh, Damon kidnapped the dragon egg and everybody's like, what should mm-hmm. we do? What should she's like? Just send me on a dragon. I'll fly over there. And Corliss is like fuck yeah, let's send the princess. And everybody else is like, nah, I can't do it. He is now, and I wonder if there's like, because like I felt I felt like when I was watching this in subsequent temptures uh, on Emma's face, you can see that there is some kind of like, oh, fuck, I'm being hoisted by my own, my own petard here. <laughs> uh, these are the impetuous <laughs> youth wanting to use their dragons and I'm supposed to say no to them? Right, right. Uh, no, it's, it's hmm. I called it, a little naive in the instant take. Mm-hmm. And I still think there's a tinge of that. I, I think the idea that you would send your heirs out um, at a time when you know your heirs are going to be first up on the chopping block yeah. and to to places that you know already have offers from your enemy. It's a dangerous right. gamble. Yeah, And I think it would have worked fine here if not for Amond. Although we haven't seen Jace's end of, of you know, the Winterfell and the Eerie stuff. But yeah. We'll, we'll find out more about that in season two, but it's, I still think it's a little naive, um, hmm. but it's, it's the kids suggesting it and it's, it's her like kind of letting them earn it. Right. Like she says to Luke earlier, you're going to have to earn this, this, uh, sure. Lord of Driftmark status. It's not something you're just going to be given necessarily. Um, and, and if you take your loved ones being strapped to the nuclear bomb aspect of it off the table, she is risking their second and third string dragons. Like all their mainline mm-hmm. dragons are not being risked except for like melees, I guess. Um, so like it's like it's a huge gesture and the lords will take it as yes. such that in a divided realm, it's it's such a huge show of confidence. I'm sending my sons on their relatively small. Dra- I'm not Vagar who we're not afraid of that. Vagar stuck at the keep protecting the fucking illegitimate king. So like mm-hmm. I I thought it's a gutsy play, but it's the exact type of play they need to make to sew this up early. For sure. 
Um, and also, I also like how Corliss came in and uh, challenged Rhaenyra. He didn't just like throw his sword into the pile. He's like verbally sparred mm-hmm. with her to, to test her. Like, you know, like this is, is all you've got. <laughs> yeah. She got the brains. Can she stand up to it? Like if, if, if this sick old man, he just had his throat torn out, can challenge her. But like <laughs> she she passes his test. Yeah. Yeah. I love the transformation there. Um, and we didn't really talk much about the Corliss and Rhaenys scene, but I really like that scene. I think like Corliss realizing that all of his efforts, this is the scene I wish that Otto could have at some point, (laughs) just looking back on his life, his choices and going, that was such a colossal mistake. I have, I have plunged the realm into war. I have done all these terrible things in this for the sake of my own ambition. And what has it gotten me? Yeah, uh, this was Walt. It, it, Otto will never have that scene. Otto is a full piece of shit through right. and through. But well, Corliss having this change of heart. <laughs> Otto is a piece of shit. I, I cannot a be shaken. A man can regret. It can, can have regrets. No. And a man can triumph, by the way. This isn't a foregone. A man can. Otto cannot. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, but speaking of counter uh, But Corliss do it. Yeah, Cor- I, I thought this scene with Corliss was amazing. And, and Ray is telling it like it is. Like, you left us. We needed yeah. you. This this is a situation for us to deal with, not for you to deal with. And also, I th- I thought the deeper thing between Rainus and and uh, Corliss is that he still is playing this like checkers. Like Rainus is like, you poor mm. fool, you've already yeah. risked and lost everything. Now our grandkids <laughs> are on the line. Retire and with now our-, our grandkids are on the line, and you want to pull back? Like this is the time to uh-huh. be bold, you moron. Like yeah. he completely misread the situation because he never really properly counted the cost. He's just like, oh, I've got these coins and the idea that you'd have to spin them for real to lose them mm-hmm. never entered his imagination. And uh, he, in his way, is kind of a sweet summer child. Yeah. So we find out at the end of that scene, Jace and Luke um, are going to go fly off to Winterfell, the Eyrie and Storm's End and... And Rhaenyra tells the children to behave themselves when they're out there. Mm-hmm. And they both swear they, they won't get into any fights. And then she gives them the messages there to deliver and sends them on their way. Yeah, she has them swore on the what I assume is the seven the seven pointed star, which is the Faith of the Sevens Bible, essentially, their oldest holy book. Mm-hmm. And uh I thought it was an interesting detail about uh Cragen. First of all, they're calling him a Cragen. I've always pronounced it Cregan, so this is uh gonna be an adjustment. Don't want to mispronounce yeah. things like Rainice. Imagine if you called the the queen never was Rainice. Imagine, imagine if you said something, you called her something that Rainus? fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to get it off straight. Uh, it's it's Cragen, um, and apparently he's, he's close to the same age. He's a young man, like uh, Jace here. Okay, that'll but, be interesting. But they 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 mentioned like in the book, and I, I think they made it pretty explicit that they're giving Jace the harder, more risky flight. Like he's going to be covering a lot of ground, going to the Riverlands, going to the far north in Winterfell, going to the Eyrie. These are pretty remote, far flung east west, uh, north, north locations. <laughs> lots of lots of travel. Uh, J- uh, Luke, they're descending over to Blackwater, uh, essentially to mm-hmm. the next bay over to to um, you know close to home. To Baratheons, where you've got family ties. Although, god damn it, does Rhaenyra actually think that these are uh Lanor's kids? Because she's acting like <laughs> like just because Kinda, you and yeah. the king went along with this fiction, you're sending to the this kid to the Baratheons trusting on his 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 grandmother's blood. 
which mm-hmm. none of the other realms legit recognizes. I thought that was that was foolish of her in retrospect. And now that Viserys is dead and there's a new king on the throne, they're free to point that out to her. Yeah. Whereas they were not before. Yeah. So. It always seemed like the Baratheons kind of had bad blood about, you know, the at least essentially certainly the 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 Rainus situation. Um, so, like, I thought, like, wow, that always uh, that felt that felt risky, even though on paper it looks, looks like the milk run. Um, it always seemed like it was a risky play. She recognizes in this scene that Boros is a very proud man is mm-hmm. what she says. Uh, and then he'll be happy to host the prince. I I feel like she she really overlooked the idea of bringing an offering, you know, yeah. not just reminding him of an oath. If he's well, a proud man, he's going to want something as well. But. So many of their other wins, though, like, be, you know, firmly, finally wedding their house to Valerian. That was the cost. They don't. She doesn't have very many chips in that land. And what are you going to do? Right. Give him, she's got he's a Lord Paramount. The, 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 the you'd have to give him the, the someone else's lordship or the Iron Throne to get a promotion like. Yeah. You know, if you can't marry into the royal family, it's it's a huge disadvantage. Um, and also people mm-hmm. need to understand that this is not I think they made this ex- explicit, but this is not the same Baratheon that was the old knight jousting in the first tournament that was like sweet on Rainus. This is yeah. his son. So this guy never knelt, never promised, never swore an oath to mm-hmm. Rhaenyra personally. Um. The the person on that third dragon is Rainus, I assume. She's going yes. off to it was on patrol, the gullet. patrol the gullet. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah obvious on second watch, but yes, big red dragon. All right, Damon goes down into the dragon mount, dragon mount. I don't know. They spell it weird, and mm-hmm. sings to a very large dragon. Yeah, this is Vermithor, the Bronze Fury. He's the personal seed of King Jaehaerys, the old king uh, before Viserys. Uh, nearly 100 years old, which I thought was kind of like middle age prime for a dragon. But the books describe him as hoary old Vermithor. He definitely looks old, even mm-hmm. though he's only, you know, like I think Vagar is only 50, 60 years older than him. Um, maybe she's extraordinary. But like and Valerian died at 200. So but yeah, he looks hmm. looks like an old but huge dragon. Like yeah. maybe not a match for Vagar, but. A little Close. bit more in her weight class, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I thought this was an interesting scene. You got the dragon comes out and just roaring fire, which I took to mean essentially, yes, I have it's a fucking banger. I haven't heard this song in twenty years. <laughs> like he's really got a uh-huh. really carried a torch literally for this song. But what did you so so what did you get with the pupil action? What did you get, King Jaharis, as a non-book reader? What did you get from the pupil action at the end of the scene? I I felt like he was just making a connection with this dragon, and I don't I don't know if it's gonna like if he's planning on trading up. Like, sorry, Caraxes, uh you're you're done. I'm yeah. now writing Vermithor, or if this is more just like Hey, maybe I'll get uh, Lena this really good dragon. Hmm. It felt like they were suggesting there was some kind of actual bond forming, which was wild yeah. to me. Um, it does. Yeah. I, I, I'm telling I, you, JCVD splits that was two, two dragons at the same time. Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme style. He's riding two dragons, the split kick <laughs> between them. Two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who fucks uh-huh. with him? That's how you take out Vegar. <laughs> two for yeah. one, baby. Dragon uh, pontoons and Damon is the ship. 
so David J. Peterson, occasional go- guest host on Electric Bookaloo and also the writer of all the fictitious, fictitious, langu- fictitious languages, fictitious languages in Westeros, Dothraki and uh, High Valerian, uh, gave a translation for this song. This is an original song that he and one of the show writers came up with. Do you want to know the translation? Sure. Uh, fire breather, winged leader, but two heads to a third sing from my voice. The fires have spoken. The price has been paid with blood magic, with words of flame and with clear eyes to bind the three to you. I sing as one we gather and with three heads, we shall fly as we were destined beautifully freely. All right. That's two dragons one rider stuff yeah like i was wondering like what is the third thing that like because it seems like you got the rider you got the dragon this was something to you know that uh ragar was always saying the dragon must have three heads targaryen crest has three heads what does it literally mean though you've got oh two dragons and one one daemon equals three heads right two dragons one daemon (laughs) that's what i'm saying yeah i think it's gonna happen gonna have an mdd three-way all right uh Uh Uh, yeah, I, that's an interesting. I, cause I was thinking of like, what is the other entity? Is there some kind of like old Valerian God that they're appealing to? But you're like, yeah, mm. you're, you're like, yeah, maybe this is just, uh, this is what the, the, this, this is how the Targaryens sing to, to have a dragon menagerie. I don't know. Yeah. But that's interesting. I, I don't know. That's my head cannon. They got so. the three heads mentioned in there. The two heads becoming three. They got the blood magic. That was an interesting kind of detail of it uh i thought it was cool mm-hmm. and it's a great scene it's a, a nice addition yeah. to the lore damon being this literal kind of like dragon whisperer master of dragon canon I, I like it all right luke arrives at storm's end and meets with boris baratheon unfortunately all he has to offer boris is a message from his mother reminding him of his oath and Amond is already there with a much better offer uh, of marriage Amon demands that luke cut out his eye but boros stops him from fighting in his hall uh, and we, we could probably do this whole scene. Luke Luke flies away from Storm's End, but Aemon pursues him, taunting him threateningly. And Luke almost gets away, but his dragon, Arax, Arax, I don't know how you say it, decides to spit fire in Vagar's face. And Vagar takes offense to that and bites both Luke and his <laughs> dragon in half. Yeah, that's what I had in my notes. Like, this is a full magic or uh, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. You know, <laughs> and I took, yeah, yeah I took like this, this piss and dragon spit fire in my face <laughs> and I took offense to that. And <laughs> then I dropped 30 points on the fourth quarter on him, posterized right, right. him twice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the scale of Vagar, like when yes. she first lifts her head above the ramparts of uh, Storm's End and it's like mm-hmm. something that it would take 10 mana to cast in a Magic the Gathering deck. Like, it's just like. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking huge. And then when you see uh, Luke trying like desperately to fly away from her, like in the storm and like that shadow, you see, holy shit. It was, this was so well done. Um, And like, I think as a, you know, they kind of fucked with me as a book reader, but as a show watcher, you probably, a lot of people probably breathing sighs of relief that like, Oh, this was a tease. This was showing like some dangerous brinksmanship, but but Luke's going to live to fight another day. And that's kind of what I thought. Like, oh, well, it's like this is going to be an interesting change. But Arax yeah. taking it too, like getting into the emotions of its writer, these young boys inexperienced, not strong enough to get get overrule their dragon's emotions that they're feeding into. I thought that was interesting. 
Um, yeah, I got a lot of Nope vibes from this, like the movie Nope that came out recently yeah. because of how gracefully and silently these dragons move through the air and how wild they are yeah. in actuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's like things, it, it huge like things moving in cloud cover and... Yes. Like it's like a it's, it's a predator sky predator stalking prey. Uh mm-hmm. it, it's and just how effortlessly. I don't know whether the darkness and the rain helped, but like this is the best dragon writings ever looked. And they have this really one shot yeah. where it's like a it's kind of a it's a far off shot of um uh Arax and, and Luke riding him and they kind of zoom in and zoom in and zoom in onto his saddle and it's like just looks seamless. They finally uh-huh. nailed it. Uh I think so. I don't think it's ever looked better. I will say back when uh, Rhaenyra got off her dragon at Dragonstone on the bridge, mm-hmm. they didn't show her dismount again. They're playing it smart with some of these. Yeah, save, shots. save your money for when you need it. Uh, but I thought just, yeah, yeah, like it's like this came across like the opening of Star Wars, like the blockade runner running yeah, from this yeah. Imperial Star Destroyer. It's just I it's it's mm-hmm. it's an it's an iconic scene. Um, I, I'm delighted that no one, I was worried that people would see, they'd either not do the Sapphire eye because of the eye patch or the people would think it was goofy, but I thought it looked cool. And it looks like the vast majority of people thought it was, was cool. Um, yeah, me too. Lord Baratheon talking a lot of shit here, but he's got a point, you know, he's got one King that's in mm-hmm. already in control and running stuff and giving him generous offers. And then you've got you that are just impudently reminding me of my father's oaths. Yeah. Um, not a lot and of, the, 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 uh, yeah hmm. and the cost of Rhaenyra's diplomacy thus far has left her to where she's got no real chits to bargain with yeah it's true um I I, I don't know I, I I'm I'm thinking about okay how does this affect the, the sort of status quo we have so far with hmm. Aemond not intentionally but definitely um killing Luke, yeah, and there was already this rivalry seeming to be brewing between Aemond and Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, but this final scene here doesn't focus on Damon. This final scene focuses on Rhaenyra, where where Damon tells her the news, and she gets the eye of the tiger. What she is clearly out for blood now. That... It, yeah, it's amazing. But but they're not talking about the consequences with Damon. They're talking about the consequences with her because she's the one who thus far has been keeping them out of this war. Yep. That's about to change. Yep. Obviously, that's about to change. Yep. And I thought uh, Emma had a really interesting point in the after show where they said, you know, Rhaenyra's story is that she thinks she knows grief. She's lost mm-hmm. friends. She's lost both of her parents. Um, and now she loses a child, something that maybe she never expected to do. And like, she's found this Mm -hmm. whole other dimension of grief. That's completely unexplored. And that this is in her mind going to change her forever. Um, and I wonder if like season two, you're going to see Rhaenyra coming out a lot more fire and blood and a lot less, you know, like she's going to get on Allison's page at this point where it's like, you know, fuck these, fuck these greens. Yeah. It's a shame with all the stuff she was talking about, how she's not going to, rule uh with fear and not give into her emotions she's going to play this rationally and you look at um auto who is <laughs> who is on the other side of this i i feel like he's he's just as emotionless about this whole situation but i i don't know maybe that's what they need maybe they need a little fire on that side uh, yeah. to combat the kind of lack of fire on the green side i don't see a lot of 
until you get Aegon involved, I feel like that's where the fire is going to come from over mm-hmm. on the green side. Yeah. But he's been a non-player thus far. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting, man. Season it's too. It's real interesting because in the books, there's no hint at all that Aemon did this with any kind of regret. And I thought it's such a fascinating yeah, yeah. change because like. And then the way they portrayed it, too, it's like he's got this great moment where he's like Michael Scott or like MacGruber fucking up where it's like, no, mm-hmm. Vager, no, no, God, no, what'd you do? <laughs> like, he's like the, the way he said no and all that, I thought was really yeah, funny. I loved it. But the look on his face is like he's now got a choice. You are now a kinslayer, which means a hell of a lot in this realm. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's 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 social taboo probably even worse than bastardry being a kinslayer you drew first mm-hmm. blood you got to go back and face your mother and your grandpa and your brother saying that you've done this unprovoked or <laughs> you have to admit that you've lost control of the biggest largest dragon in the world and i think it's gonna be fascinating yeah. on the ride home what decision he makes that what truth he tells and then assuming the auto knows the truth there's no fucking way that gets out of the greens because they'd have to admit that they don't really have control of the world's largest dragon, which would be hugely fatal to them politically. Um, The third option is he just denies, he denies that he was there. He denies that he had anything to do with it. And I, because we don't know how they found out that Luke was killed, right? This is true. But Boros could blow up his spot. Like, I saw them fighting and I saw how they went at each other in the hall and Eamon instigated it and, yeah, that's yeah, mild. No. That's mildly interesting. Um, the fact that you I feel like he's just going to own it. Deny. Yeah, because that kind of makes you look weak. Too. That's the thing. Like, I got to say, uh-huh. like, uh, my first reaction is I like Eamon slightly less because I, you know, I kind of admire a guy who got bullied in a certain way. I don't condone it, but I admire a person who gets and now is in a position to repay that with light coin. You know, it's kind of like Ender from Ender's sure. game. Um, the stand and, up for yourself is is a better yeah, option, but yeah. yeah, if you want to repay it, sure. And and here's the guy. Here's the guy. Well, it's also like it was like three, four to one at some points. Like you know, like, uh-huh. I don't know how much standing up you you can do other than stuff you already did. But like, yeah, like yeah, the the the, 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 the like okay, and he kills this just out of pettiness and spite. That's fucking mm-hmm. cool. This isn't cool. Cooling somebody by accident because you lost control of your dragon is not cool. Yeah, that's why I think he's going to own it. He's going to come back and say, yes, I killed him. Uh, I think so, too. Yes, this was first blood. This was a war that needed to be started. Otherwise, the realm will never deal with this. I, I think he's going to But gonna what does it. Otto do? What does Otto do? Because Otto <laughs> is going to fucking lose it. But what's he going to do? Because he he's, he's no, he's no right? Charles Dance. He's no Tywin. Nope. And Tywin had his hands full keeping Joffrey unchecked. So... Mm-hmm. You know, because what, what's Aegon? Like, Aegon, is, if he's yo, bro, I killed that little pissant Luke and his dragon. Chomp, chomp, you should have been there. Four pieces. It was like, and like Aegon's like, going to bring it back sick. You know, he, you think he's going to like castigate <laughs> yeah. his brother for bull, you no. know, fuck no. So Sick. Let me see. Let me show you the project I've been working on. Yeah. He's got sharp teeth and pointy nails. <laughs> <laughs> I know our dragon's teeth are sharp, but have we considered making them sharper? <laughs> Fitting yeah. with some Valerian yeah. steel, uh, you know, caps and inserts. Like, have we considered that? Yeah. Uh, man, this is I, I, th- this is such a great like. Uh, we talked about it before. Like the performance of Rhaen- Rhaenyra 
you know, Damon taking her to the side and you can see her crumple and like, you know, falter. But then like her back straightens and when she turns, it's like something else. There's this vein yeah. standing out on her forehead. Like she's looking <laughs> right at the camera. It's like, fuck, it's incredible. I, I keep remembering that line from Game of Thrones about killing the boy. And I can't help but feel that they accidentally killed the girl here. Mm. And now they're going to have to deal with the woman, Rhaenyra. Yeah. And it is not going to be pleasant for the Greens. Yeah. Didn't it? I thought that's a, made something someone said in the behind the scenes. I, I thought that that was exactly like some, somebody said that like, yeah, this is the final death of the last oh. vestiges of her. Or maybe I think it's that they talk about Aemond, um, but I think it works for her, too. Like this is the la- like yeah, the, yeah. The, the immature kind of devil may care. Oh, isn't being queen fun because it turns out there aren't any rules and restrictions or, you know, princess fun like that's mm-hmm. that's gone. It's all business now. Yeah. And gone is season one of this show. I thought it was great. I'm super excited for season two. Uh, what do we have in the future for this? Well, we're not done. We have a feedback episode Thursday. Next week, we're going to have a wrap-up podcast, uh, which I'm... Well, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about, and I'm, I'm trying to decide like how much material I'll have and whether I want to like extend it, because I do also want to talk with Jim some like book versus show stuff, because mm, there yeah. was a lot of like choose-your-own-adventure. I think that would be something interesting to talk about. Got to see how much time and stuff we have. Um, so we got like two more podcasts... Uh, that will be opportunities for you to give your feedback. Hot D at baldmove.com. Uh, hot D at baldmove.com. And then again, uh, we'd like for you to stay with us and, and go on to other projects. As I mentioned um, up top, we've got The Walking Dead right now. Uh, we got this 1899 time traveling project from Netflix, which is uh, we're looking forward to. We got Wakanda Forever. We got some Christmas celebration coming up. Next year, we're looking forward to the debut of The Last of Us, Yellow Jacket Severance, Foundation Return is returning a lot of great science fiction a lot of great fantasy uh continuing coverage on this feed of hot d anthony's going to continue doing his uh uh, chapter by chapter analysis of uh clash of kings and then if you want to get all of that uh bald move pulp is what you want to subscribe to if you search for that in your favorite podcast app uh that's got all of our science fiction fantasy coverage and uh, we do a lot of it um but like I said, we'll be back uh, from time to time to talk about Hot D news, uh, John Snow sequel news, and Anthony will be holding down his feed. And then, yeah, we'll be back for season two uh, when it drops for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Wild dragons couldn't drag us away. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. Follow us on Twitter.com slash bald move. Another great uh, way to keep uh, abreast of everything that we're doing. And uh, if you'd like to support us, uh, if you think we've done a good job, uh, you don't have to join the club. There's a various ways. There's a lot, lots of merch. We just got the keeping it leal merch, by the way. Uh, if you want to identify as team black or team green, uh, check that out. Merch.baldmove.com. But all you can find all that stuff at support.baldmove.com. Uh, thank you again for being with us. Uh, you know, we have been towards the tops of the charts and TV and film with this podcast. Uh, I've seen a lot of people recommend us uh, on social media, sharing our stuff on Twitter. Got a lot of solid recommendations. Uh, uh, saw us a lot of people recommending us on the House of the Dragon subreddit and other places um, as your favorite podcast at, or your favorite podcast for this. So really appreciate all the support. Everybody's rated and reviewed us. Um, it, it means a lot. And you, you've helped us. Uh, I think I think we're, we've, we've fought our way towards the top of the independent podcaster pile. We're still below the official and the, oh, the network yeah, up people, 
But uh, for scrappy mm. upstarts, I think we punched above our weight, and it's because of your guys' support. So thank you, thank mm. you, thank you. Uh, we'll be back in a couple days for feedback. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>